Well, continuing our study on the motivations for missions, before we leave this segment, we need to look at some common errors or dangers. In the previous lecture, we attempted to outline the hope that we have. Hope is most usually connected with post-millennialism. I'll put it on the board here. Post-millennial. Post-millennial means Jesus will come back after the church has conquered the world. And then right here, I'll put Jesus coming back with this arrow. So you see in this chart, starting from the cross, the church goes in what direction? Basically up. That would be the post-millennial view. And then at the end, when the whole world is evangelized, then Jesus comes back. The amillennial view, that's the same word, just with an A in front of it. Amillennial says, starting from the cross... The church has gone up and down throughout time, and then the Lord will return. So that the church is going through tribulation, the church is seeing some blessings, some answers to prayer, some hardships. So in the amillennial view, the church is experiencing both bad and good Not necessarily more bad than good. Not necessarily more bad than good. But it's simply moving along through the world. Taking blessings when it can. And praying for grace when it falls. And then Jesus will come back at the end. So you'll see here in the post-millennial view. It's clear. That the church has made an advance. Here is the advance of the church. In the amillennial view. The church may make an advance. But that's not required of the system. But then in the pre-millennial view. That is the view that I hold. The premillennial view says that even though there have been some times when the church has gone up, overall, it has been a decline. Maybe I should put the cross a little higher up for our chart here. There we go. So that the premillennial view would see general decline, although there is also some grace. So that if we draw a line again, straight across, we would see 
when our Lord Jesus returns that the decrease has been greater than the increase. So here are the three views. The millennial view says, basically break even. Jesus comes back whenever. Not a lot of, not a lot of revival, not a lot of sin. It's, it's a, when you put them all together, it's basically, the, uh, basically very similar. Post-millennial, great revival. This is why the post-millennial view is most closely connected with hope or optimism. So in this view... The post-millennial view says, we're just going to go up. Yes, there'll be a few difficulties, but we're going to go up. The amillennial view says, it doesn't matter if we go up or down. Don't worry about that at all. That's not going to affect anything. Sometimes we go up, sometimes we go down. The premillennial view says, in general, we're going down. Now, the biblical teaching is the premillennial position. However... Many good and godly men, men who are better than me, men who are better preachers than me, men who are more holy and dedicated than me, have held and do, how, do now hold to the post-millennial position. My dear brother in Kempton Park holds this. Jonathan Edwards held this. <clears throat> uh, William Carey, who is on my wall, held to this. Interestingly, I believe John Bunyan held to the amillennial position. He is on my wall and Charles Spurgeon is on my wall, and he held to the premillennial position. So, Carey, Bunyan, Spurgeon. Maybe you can remember it that way. But there are some dangers to be avoided. If you are not accurate on your eschatology, I would like to warn you of four dangers that can come. Number one, and this is the greatest danger accepting false Christianity as true Christianity. The great danger that can come to us if we are too optimistic is that we will interpret all professions of faith as valid professions of faith. Or maybe I won't say all. We will interpret too many professions of faith as valid professions of faith. If we are thinking to ourselves, well, the church has to win, then we may accept Bushiri or Pastor Chris as true Christians. We may say, as J.I. Packer said, the Catholic Church is simply a, a collection of estranged brothers. We need to bond together in spiritual unity. J.I. Packer has done many good things. He has written some good books. But when J.I. Packer says the Catholic Church holds to the same gospel of the Bible, he has sadly compromised and betrayed the gospel. When godly Christians, when Reformed brothers say, oh, the prosperity gospel it's, it's a problem, but it's an in-house problem. As if they're all Christians, it's just a problem within Christianity. No, it's not. The prosperity gospel is as false as Islam. It is a terrible evil. 
John Frame says that Islam is a Christian cult. Christianity came first. Islam came later. Islam claims to believe in Jesus Christ. They claim to believe in Moses. They even claim to believe in the Bible. So John Frame says, Islam, that's like a cult. That's like Watchtower. That's like Seventh-day Adventist. Well, the prosperity gospel may in that sense be a cult, but it is certainly not Christian. The problem is, if you are anticipating optimism, you will count as Christian what is not Christian. Years ago, I was at a missions conference of a group of godly pastors here in South Africa. And a man was given the chance to speak And he said the words, there is a vital explosion. Vital. Vital is from the Latin word meaning life. There is an explosion of life, a vital explosion of Christianity in Africa. I was there and I raised my hand and asked him. Do you count the prosperity gospel as Christian? And do you know what he said? Ha ha, I was hoping no one would ask that. That man holds to this eschatological position. The man that was lecturing was a post-millennial. So he has a bias. What is his bias? The world is getting what? Churches are getting what? So if I hear about someone being a Christian, I'm not going to check to make sure it's true Christianity. I'm just going to say what? Oh, good, 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 good. What will that do to missions? Is it any wonder that white South Africans do not leave Johannesburg and come to the rural areas to learn Songa and Venda and Sutu? It's left to the Americans. The white South Africans will send out their missionaries to the Philippines and to Taiwan, where it costs them so much more money to get over there. They could drive four hours away and learn a Bantu language. But apparently, too many of them have learned, oh, all those areas are all Christian. That is a great danger and evil. And much evil will come from it. Accepting false Christianity is a deadly error. Not deadly for those who hold it, but deadly for two other groups. Those that they should be reaching and their children or grandchildren. Because if you will accept false Christianity when it's eight hours and ten hours away... You probably will not labor to have very strong Christianity with your children or grandchildren. Thankfully, that is not always the truth. And there are many godly post-millennialists who labor to evangelize their children and send out missionaries. And I thank God for that. Nevertheless, it is still a sad error that many who hold to this position accept all who count themselves as Christian. Another one. 
a danger of having the wrong eschatological view. Too much emphasis on culture. What do I mean by that? If you believe that it is your job to bring in Christianity all over the world, that the earth would be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, then you may not only plant churches. What's another ministry you might do if you believed it was your role to see to it that the earth was full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters covered the sea? What else might you do? Start schools and orphanages and hospitals. Are those good things to start? Yes, very good. It's very good to start orphanages and hospitals and schools. Is that precisely what our Lord told us to do in the Great Commission? No, it's not. So while it is not wrong to start orphanages or hospitals or schools, that is not what our Lord directed us to do. His directive was to church planting. Now, if you are called and gifted and specially enabled to start a school, and you have a clear understanding of the Great Commission and missions and church planting, and you are using that school as best you can to feed a church, that might be a very wise and a blessed and a good usage of your time and your day. And I would be pleased if one of my sons was gifted to be a school administrator and understood that church planting is the call, but he was gifted and ready to be a school teacher. But it can too easily move from church planting to schools and drilling wells and orphanages and clinics. And then from there, where's the next level? Starting businesses. And then what's the next level? politician or entertainment. It is not wrong to be a godly politician. It is not wrong to be a godly businessman. These are good things to do, but they are not what our Lord called us to do in missions. And if you can give 80% of your life to true biblical missions, and then with 20% of your life, devote yourself to politics or economics or business or art, Well, praise the Lord. God's called us all to different callings. My concern is that certain eschatological views can cause us to engage the culture at a greater percentage than the New Testament would allow for. The New Testament places an overwhelming emphasis on church planting. All other things are secondary or third or fourth. So while it may be good to be a politician, your primary dedication should be to missions. And while it may be good to start a clinic or a hospital, your primary goal with that clinic and hospital must always be to build up the church. And if it does not have an immediate and direct and strong tie to the local church, you are in dangerous area. And how much more if it becomes business, which is even further removed from the church, or politics, or economics, or maybe last of all, entertainment. 
third danger. And that is a blindness to humanity. Our eschatological positions may make us blind to humanity. I speak this specifically of the premillennial position, the view that I hold. This on our chart, lowest one. The danger that I see with the premillennial position is that by emphasizing church planting and evangelism, you will neglect to recognize that men have physical bodies and stomachs and pains and eyes. They have all of the difficulties that you and I have and they need to be treated like that. The kind of ministry that focuses largely on the body is called holism, a holistic ministry. And that means they focus on helping your, your marriage and your finances and your medical problems and your kids' schooling and the difficulties you're having with training for your job. Those are all things that a Christian church could do and that a godly Christian man could do. And I have helped many young men or tried to help. I'm not sure how much help I gave, but I tried to help many people with food or with clothing or with counsel or with marriage difficulties or even with loans, with job training. Those kinds of things fall into this category. That is the category of let's help the body and the soul. I'm sorry, let's help the body and the mind and the the here and now. The other side would be evangelism. And I include in evangelism church planting. Some men say that the holistic model should control our evangelism. They'll say things like this. They won't care what you know until they know that you care. care. No one will care what you know. So why go out there and preach justification in the five solas, Seth? You should go out there first and give them food. They will not care about what you know until they know that you. So go give them money and give them jobs and give them help and give them love. And then they will listen to your five solas. So this view says our concern for their bodies needs to drive and control our evangelism. The other view says evangelism needs to control our concern for their bodies and their here and now existence. The third view says We've got to balance these two. They're like husband and wife. They go together. Let me ask you. Of those three views. Number one. Holism leads. Number two. Evangelism leads. Or number three. 
A happy marriage in the middle. Which view do you find in the New Testament? What do you see the Apostle Paul doing in Acts chapters 13 to 21? Does Paul, when he comes into a place, does he start a school, an orphanage, a clinic? Does he start business training for Epaphras? Does he, start in, does he give out microloans? Does Paul start with evangelism? Does Paul blend the two? The biblical New Testament view is number two. But that is the problem that I'm talking about. Number two should lead. But it can happen and does happen that when number two leads, they forget about number one. Or even worse, when number two leads, they even forget about Bible doctrine. And their goal begins to be, I want numbers. I want people to say, oh, I'll become a Christian. Oh, let me pray. And that is a great danger. And I think the premillennial view is uniquely susceptible to that danger. The danger of saying, all we need to worry about is evangelism. And because of that, we'll just focus on this. And we won't pay close attention to whether or not these people have good marriages or how to build up their families or whether they have training for jobs or whether they're jealous or don't understand the fact that why do you get to have a car and a bucky and a house and I live on nothing? Brothers, here are some dangers for us. Accepting false Christianity. Too much emphasis on the culture or a blindness to the needs of humanity. Let's close in prayer. Oh, Father, we pray that you would help us tonight to understand and respond wisely and biblically to the difficulties, to love the word of God and every word that's revealed, to cling to the Bible. Give us faith to lay hold of the promises of God. Help us to guard ourselves from whatever danger we may find ourselves falling into. Pray in Jesus' name, amen.